0: Well, today's message is called, Here is Your King. And friends, uh, we have been talking about seeking first the kingdom. We've been doing this uh, all semester. Uh, uh, And and we've been talking so long about the kingdom of God that I wanted to take a moment to remind us that when we talk about kingdoms, we are talking about kings, right? Rulers, queens, right? And when it comes to uh, uh, the kingdom of God, the, the operative thing is who is your king, right? Is Jesus really king? And we showed this uh, picture to the young ones earlier, uh, a a picture of the the crown of the the king of England, and it's really, really blingy and really, really fabulous. And, I mean, honestly, I've never seen anyone wear anything like that. Have you? (laughs) And, I I mean, it's a concept that is pretty foreign to us, the idea of a king or a queen. I mean, you know, like you'll, you'll hear about King Charles or whatever, these kinds of things. But even that, it just kind of like, I don't know if you ever see like, like a modern king or queen on TV. It just seems like a little bit like make-believe. I, I'm really, I, I hope I don't insult anyone by saying this, but just as an American, at least, that reality of a king or a queen doesn't really hold sway. And, and my understanding is that kings and queens are, at least in England and places like that, are very different than the way they used to be, right? And, and so... That idea of Jesus being king might seem so foreign. And again, you know, some of the imagery that we have behind kings and queens, you know, it's so stately, it's so regal, right? It's so, you know, opulent and and just, it's very, very different than the picture that you get in scripture. And so I just want to take a moment to ask this question, you know, that, that maybe it just may seem like an abstract question. But when we talk about this idea that the kingdom of God is the reality that we want to live in, that we have been trying to convince you all semester long that this is what you should be doing with your life, you should be seeking first the kingdom, then it is not an abstract question that we're asking you when we ask you, is Jesus your king? Is he really? And so let's take a look at the the passage um, because I think that's really what it's about. It's about Jesus uh, being king and showing himself as king. And so we, we read this uh, with the little ones. We read this just a moment ago. But I want to read verses one through three because I got to tell you, every time I read uh, uh, <laughs> the Palm Sunday passage, I always kind of like speed through this part and I never really understood it. I don't know about you guys, but this part is really weird, right? Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two, two disciples. This part where he sends the disciples to go fetch the donkeys, right? It's just kind of a weird part of it. Saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. It's a really, really weird story, right? Right? And, and like, he's like, hey, just go into the city, right? And immediately when you get into the this, this city, you're going to see a donkey. Okay, immediately you will see a donkey. Jesus, how did you know that? Okay, some of you guys might be like, well, Pastor Steve, in biblical times, it wouldn't have been that uncommon for people to keep you know, something like a donkey on the outside of the city in the front. That's true. That's true, but come on, how did he know? How did he know? Was it a coincidence? That's for you to decide. Maybe it was a coincidence, right? So first clue that there's something a little different about what Jesus is asking, right? Immediately, you'll see a donkey. Somehow he knows that. Tied and a colt with her. So it's not just gonna be a donkey, there's also going to be a baby donkey, right? A young donkey with this, this female donkey, right? Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them. And he will send them at once. Again, this is kind of weird, right? He's like, just take them. Just take them. Jesus. (laughs) You're just going to take these donkeys? He's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, but there's a provision, right? Someone might stop you. And then you just say to them, what? The The Lord needs them. And then what does he say? They'll send them at once. They'll let you take them. It's weird, isn't it? It's bizarre. It's weird if you don't understand that what is being talked about here is the coming of a king, right? So you see right after that, that Jesus, uh, that, that um, the, the, the gospel writer uh, makes it very clear that that's what's going on, right? This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Now, the way I used to read this was this story was just to explain to us how he got the donkey, right? Like we would be wondering if he shows up on a donkey, well, how did he get the donkey? Well, let's tell you the story, right? You see, he sent two disciples in the city. There's a donkey just chilling there, and they just took it, and he told them to just tell them, hey, it's okay, the Lord needs it, and they would just send it, Right? But but the details of it, right? Now, here's the other clue. Right after that, verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They didn't, like, question Jesus. They weren't like, well, Jesus, how did you know that? What what if there's not a donkey? Do you have a backup animal that we should be looking for? Right? What if they're armed? (laughs) Right? What if the people aren't cool with us taking it? You know, and and they take out a knife or something. What are we supposed to do then? No, none of that. They just do as Jesus directed. Why? Remember, we were talking about, this is about a king. We're we're told, behold, your king is coming to you. What happens when a king gives a command, friends? What do you do? Do you question them? Well, actually, I I, I don't feel like doing that. I'm not going to give you my fealty. I don't want to give you this property. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. No. If you properly understand what a king is, when a king tells you to do something, you do it. So that's exactly what the disciples do. Right? And when a king comes and says, hey, I I want to use your donkey, you don't say, no, 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 no. I don't want want that donkey right now. I I don't want to give it to you. You do it. Right? And so that's exactly what happens here. They're like, the Lord needs it. And it's almost like magic, right? Like It's almost like, dude, is everyone under some kind of trance? Friends, I think that this story is trying to show us that Jesus is a king, right? I know sometimes we talk about Jesus and we have these different titles for him, right? He's, he's a good teacher, right? Oh, you know, Jesus is a gentle shepherd, right? And by the way, what do shepherds do? You know what shepherds do? They lead the sheep right? They tell the sheep where to go. They help provide for the sheep. They bring the sheep to the places where they need to eat. The sheep don't get to decide, oh, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there, right? And sometimes when we hear this kind of language, we're like, okay, okay, Pastor Steve, I know where you're going with this, and it's starting to make me uncomfortable because you make it sound like Jesus is a dictator, right? But remember, what kind of king is coming, right? And that's clearly said in this passage too, right? Say to the daughters, "On, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. It's not just that a donkey is a humble animal. A donkey is a common animal of the people, right? This is the kind of king who is coming, right? How many kings have you seen, or at least that you know of, right, when you think about kings, Are they usually humble, right? I I, I don't know if you guys remember, there's that story, The Prince and the Pauper, about the prince who gets like really sick of being a prince. I, I really like the Mickey Mouse version, I watch that a lot with my kids, right? And it just so happens that there's this like commoner who looks just like the prince and the prince just wants to be with the people. Why is that a story? Why is that a story? You know why? Because a prince, a king would stand out. They would be different. They'd be living in a palace. They would have fine clothes. They would have all of the things that the common people do not. And so for a prince to come and act like a pauper, it doesn't make sense. People have never seen this before. They've never seen this kind of king. And so, that this was the prophecy and this was being fulfilled in Jesus is kind of amazing. And what kind of king is he that he gives a command and he says, Hey, I need to borrow your donkey? And the operative word is borrow. He doesn't say, Hey, I'm taking your donkey because I'm the king. I'm just going to take it from you because I can do that. Too bad, so sad. If you don't like it, mm, the king orders you to be executed. Of course not. That's not the kind of king Jesus is. We know that, friends. But people didn't know that about kings. They didn't know that kings could be that way. That this king is saying, hey, I do need this, but you'll get it back, don't worry, (laughs) right? And so this is what happens. They they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. this is not something that you normally see. This is a hero's welcome. This is a welcome, again, friends, I know I sound like a broken record, but scripture wants it to be very clear. This is a welcome for a king. This is the kind of welcome that you would give someone if a king was coming and conquering a city, like an occupied city, and the people were being liberated, right? Spreading your, your, your cloaks on the road, right? I mean, I can't think of, like, any kind of example that I know of, other than like if you've gone to a wedding and you see the flower girls spread the flower petals, right? It's like your feet should not just touch this regular ground, right? We got to put these beautiful flower petals down. You know, we got to put these cloaks. We got to put these palm branches, right? And, and so they, they make this way. They, they, they're, they're, they're very clearly seeing Jesus as this promised king, as this Messiah. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we mentioned this with the young ones that Hosanna means save. And it was an expression of praise. But the reason why you would have said that when a conquering king was coming was because you literally thought that person was liberating you, right? They were saving you from something, Right? You know, from some uh, a kind of oppression that you didn't want, right? Uh, uh, from, from another army that was, you know, trying to, you know, obliterate your people or something, right? Save, save, save. And that's what they're yelling, right? Hosanna to the son of David. It's very intentional, right? That the son of David, what they're saying is that Jesus is the Messiah. That the Messiah, this promised king, was supposed to come from the, the line of David, right? And when he he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And that's the question I asked you. Well, I asked you the question, is Jesus your king? But the question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. It's very interesting. They don't say this is the king, right? (laughs) Now, they're they're kind of like uh, uh, hinting at it a little bit with, you know, Jesus from Nazareth, and uh, of Galilee and you know, he's this prophet and you know, maybe he's more than that right but they don't say he's the Messiah, do they? right I mean it's very very clearly implied in the way that they're welcoming him right but they don't say that and it's very interesting uh, this is one of the things that you know, uh, at least I was taught in seminary that one of the weird things about this Sunday is that we can have all this fanfare, like, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! We're praising God! We're praising God! And then this Sunday, and then if you don't come to Good Friday, I know, you know, people are busy, not everyone can come out, I understand, right? But if you don't come out to Good Friday next Sunday, he is risen! Right? It's still, like, more, like, fanfare, and it's just more victory, and all this stuff. And in between, something really, really big happens, right? And that is that Jesus dies. And before Jesus dies, I think you guys know this, The people reject Jesus. You guys remember that? And one of the things that, um, you know, at least my professor who kind of taught us the church calendar was saying is that Palm Sunday is always a little bittersweet. Because you have to wonder. Like, there were all these people in the city for the Passover, right? You got to wonder. Maybe some of those same people on Sunday we're saying, Hosanna! Hosanna! We're some of the same people who on Friday were saying, Crucify him. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Is he just a prophet? Is that it? Like, like, like a prophet who's got some like good teaching. And you know, maybe we'll follow him when it's convenient for us. Maybe we'll follow him when the sun is shining, you know? When when just, just everything is going this way, right? But when things get tough, when we see this this Jesus bleeding, we see this Jesus being held up by the powers that be, saying, is this your king? And we say, nah, that's not our king. No, we don't want that kind of king. Who is this Jesus? Friends, that's the question that we have to ask. So I have three questions I want to ask you. Um, They're very simple questions. But these are life-altering questions. Who is Jesus to you? Maybe for you, it's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not really sure. Like, like he almost seems like, like a mythical figure. You know, just someone you hear about, like, like from history or, you know, like Aristotle or Plato. I'm not saying that they're mythical people, but, you, you know, it, it's not someone that really seems tangible to us. Just, just someone historically, yeah, they said some wise things. They said some good things right? But is Jesus my king? I'm not really sure I would say that, right? Like, like, yeah, I mean, you know, if I have time, I'll, I'll read some scripture. Yeah, if I have time, you know, I'll do some of these Christian things. But if Jesus were to just tell you to do something, would you do it? Would you trust it? Right? And, and everything that we've been saying is that Jesus is not the kind of king who's going to abuse that power. We talked about that last week. He was a humble king. He's the kind of king who gave up his power, right? It's one of the beautiful things about Jesus and Jesus in his grace that, you know, the way that he asks people, even in this story, right? Yeah, they, they, they start untying the, the donkey, but Jesus is like, someone's going to come out and ask you about it. And, and, and you give them this opportunity. Hey, the Lord needs it. And then the people have a chance to answer that and say, yes. Okay. He even tells them, he's like, hey, you know, go into the city. And they have a chance to, to do it or not do it, right? With Jesus, it's always an invitation, right? Now, it, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are commands, there are things that Jesus tells us to do. But we know on some level, we, you have a choice. You have a choice to follow this Jesus or not follow this Jesus, right? And and on some level, you have a choice of of what kind of life you want to live, right? And so who is Jesus to you? It's going to be a very important question. And that second question, I mean, we've already alluded to it. Who's your king, right? And so I ask the question, is Jesus your king? But this is a more general question. Who is your king? Because one of the things that we have been talking about, um, this, this illusion that we have in this world is that we are free, We are completely free, and we can make free choices. Have you ever met someone who had an addiction? I I think there's a certain point with people who have addictions um, where, where you have this moment of clarity. And the moment of clarity is, I mean, this is just my own words, but it goes something like this. I am not really free to do what I want to do. All the time. Now, there's a weird thing that happens that y- you kind of realize that you have two desires, right? Sometimes you want something, right? Sometimes you're like, "Yeah, I, I want to be sober, or I, I want to be a good father, or I want to be a good husband, or you know, I like like those kinds of things, right? I want to be a good person. I don't want to do this, right? And other times you're like, "I really, really want that fix, right? These two minds, these two desires are kind of warring against each other. And oftentimes, the other one wins, (laughs) right? Have you guys ever, I mean, I know it's kind of a silly example, but in the same way, like, have you ever like tried to study? You're like, oh, I I really should study right now. But then four or five hours later, you don't study. Why? Why? Because you're not as free as you think you are. There are certain things that drive you, right? Certain desires, right? And this is something that Paul talks about, and he calls it Spirit versus flesh, right? The, the, the old human versus the new human, right? Spirit-led versus flesh-led. And we're not just talking about the body. We're talking about this, this idea that we are born with this different kind of nature that has certain desires, that is going to seek certain things. And we've talked about this before. It's going to be very, very influenced by things like fear. And so we talk a lot about the spirit of fear, right? Because your, your flesh is going to then prioritize basically what it thinks is going to keep you safe, right? It's part of the reason why sometimes you'll see people and they just get manipulated by politicians, by talking heads, whatever. And they know, they know, they know what they're doing, friends. They use fear because they know that if they can get you in a spirit of fear, you'll be thinking in a different way. In some ways, you won't be really free, right? Because you're gonna be so influenced by that, that there's gonna be certain things you feel like doing, you feel like you can't do anything else but seek this certain course of action. We're not truly free, are we, right? And so friends, there is going to be different things that lead you, that guide you. This is one of the things we talk about all the time, right? The spirit, the spirit does what? What do spirits do, friends? What do spirits do? Thank you. Spirits lead. (laughs) I I, I like to sing that that one part from Oceans, right? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders, right? That's what spirits do. Spirits lead. There's a spirit of this world, spirit of fear, the spirit of scarcity, right? Whatever you want to call it, right? Those spirits do lead you, right? But they don't have to. There's a different spirit, the Holy Spirit, a spirit of love that wants you to lead you to different things, right? And when we are led by this spirit, then we are living in what we call the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of this world. It's not the kingdom of fear. It's the kingdom of God because God then is your king. God is the one who is leading you. So friends, who is your king? Who's leading you? What's leading you? What's guiding your decisions that you make day to day? Friends, can I I just kind of put out there, Just, just throw this out there? You can do with it what you will. You don't have to believe me. Search your own heart. Search scripture, right? But if you are just doing whatever you feel like doing in the moment, can I just ask the question, do you think that's the spirit of God that is leading you then? Or could it be that you're feeling in some ways are your king. So who is your king? And then the last question is, would you be willing to make Jesus your king? This is kind of the crux of the matter, friends. Well, you might be saying, but Pastor Steve, that's just so abstract. How in the world can I make Jesus my king? Um, I want to just pose that with a king, there's three things that you would do. And you actually see all three in this passage, right? Number one, if you had a king, you would listen to him, right? Just like Jesus in this passage, he gives commands and then people listen to him, right? That's one of the things that Jesus most consistently says. Don't just listen to my words, but do them, right? Put them into the action. And that's what we mean by listen, right? It's not just, you just hear it or or you're just like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, 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 good word. But you would actually do those things. You would put those things into action. And one of the things that we will find is that when we start following the way of Christ, we find that that it's it's a much better way to live. You know, if Jesus is trying to direct us and trying to help us to be able to, you know, uh, uh, have a different way of, of treating people, to love your enemies, for instance, to pray for those who persecute you, you know, to forgive people when they wrong you, that may not be something that you feel like doing necessarily right? But if we had a king, we would listen to that. We would start to learn to listen to that voice. The second question is, um, w- would you worship him, right? And, and you see that, right? That literally just the people, they just start worshiping, right? Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? And, and there's another gospel account of this where the teachers of the law, uh, they try to stop the people. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 like, like this isn't good, right? This, this is blasphemy, right? Because you're saying he's the Messiah. And so they go to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, tell, tell the, these people to stop. Tell them to stop saying what they're saying. And, and, and do you remember what Jesus says? You remember? Even if they were to be quiet, the stones would cry out, right? That this is the response to this kind of king. It, it, he is a glorious king. That the way we respond to a king is we worship, right? We bow down, right? That's what people do. When a king comes in, you're not like, oh, hey, how's it doing? You, you bow down, right? You get on your face, right? And friends, um, there's, there's so much to this, that this king of glory, this king uh, that, that rides a donkey, right? That rides a beast of burden, a beast of labor. This king is coming into your ordinary life, And one of the ways that I think you'll be able to acknowledge Jesus more in your life, it won't be so abstract, is if you learn to live a life of praise. Um, One of my favorite books to read, I I read it from time to time. I read it again a couple weeks ago. Um, Really, really easy book to read if you guys uh, have never heard of it um, or never had a chance to read it. The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And Brother Lawrence, um, his real name was Nicholas Herman. And he was a 17th century Carmelite monk uh, who uh, was from what we now consider France. And by all accounts, he really wasn't anyone like that did anything spectacular. He was a monk. He was a former soldier, but you know, after his conversion, he became a monk. And he just worked in the kitchen, cooked, peeled potatoes, right, washed dishes, did that kind of thing. And and then he repaired sandals. Just really humble stuff. But he would write these letters, and he would give advice to people. And, and he lived his life in such a way where he did everything for the love of God. He really felt like he was always in the presence of God. And it so affected people that it's one of the most widely read Christian books to this day. right? And, and I want to read uh, for, uh, just a, a very, very short passage from uh, Practice of the Presence of God. <laughs> it's just talking about um, you know, him in the kitchen. And, and, and this is what he says. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And that done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before him who has given me grace to work. Afterwards, I rise happier than a king. It is enough for me to pick up but a straw from the ground for the love of God. So everything he does is for the love of God. Can you imagine just like just being so in the presence of God and just so in love with God that that you're like in the kitchen and, and you like cook something and you're just like 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 God, I I, I cook this, this cake for you, right? I cook this pancake for you. You put it on your plate and then you get on the floor and you just worship God. That's what Nicholas Herman does. That's what Brother Lawrence does. Man, he's like, if I, if I could do anything, right? It's just enough for me to pick up a straw from the ground for the love of God. Everything is worship because God is everywhere. This king is with you all the time. Sometimes we wonder, we're like, oh, Jesus, where are you? Like, like I wish I lived in those biblical times where I got to see and touch Jesus. But the thing is that Jesus is like, yeah, I'm limited in this body. I can only be with certain people right? He only had 12 disciples who followed him around all the time. The rest of the disciples followed from afar, right? But he's like, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to lead you and teach you and be with you all of the time. You can always be with this king. And worship is the way that we get there. Just little worship. Have you ever done this, friends, like you're driving in your car or you're walking to school? Do you, do you ever just see something really beautiful? Like I don't know. There's like a leaf, you know, like, like you look at a tree and it's dead, but there's one green leaf on the tree. Like, wow, that's really cool. Could you just worship in that moment? Just be like, oh, praise God. Like, that's, that's awesome. Or you see it like a sunset, you know, you, you see those oranges and purples in the sky and instead of it just like, whoa, that's like a cool trick of the light, or, you know, that's like the reflection off of the, can you just worship? Can you just say, God, thank you? That's just beautiful. Thank you for this beauty that you give us. Just in these moments where, you know, you have nothing else to do, you're just breathing, and you're like, God, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you that I'm a miracle, that I'm here on this planet, in this particular space, that I get to live this life, right? Can we worship? And and, and the other thing that we can do um, with a king is we can completely submit our lives to this king. That's the last question. Will you submit? Will you give your life to him? And friends, as we learn to do this, it's not always going to be in the big things, but in every moment to say, God, you know what? I actually do want you to be the king. It seems so abstract, because if we really think about it, it can be kind of scary. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean if I submit my life to you? I'll tell you this, friends. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that you'll probably be able to do it all of the time with all of your decisions. But if you make that decision, like, like this overarching decision, Lord, I want to submit my life to you. I want you to be my king. That I think what starts to happen is that God will help you, you know, to, to be, kind of learn to submit more and more things to you. One of the things that God has been working on my heart a lot is my hurry. Um, I'm always in a hurry. I don't know what it is, especially when I'm coming to church. I could literally not be late and still, like, like I'm like, you know, that red light comes and I'm like, oh, it like ruins me. I get so angry. Like, can I just submit? in this moment, right? Because, I mean, it sounds weird to submit to the red light, <laughs> you know. but just submit in this moment to say, okay, I don't need to be king, right? I don't need to be in control. I don't need to be God, right? Can I just let go? Can you submit in every moment? And What you do in one, one moment is what you're gonna do in every moment, right? And that's what we're gonna learn. We're gonna learn more and more and more because the alternative is this. You live your life your way, on your terms, and you get what you've always got. And that's the thing that I've learned. It's that I already have tried living as my own king. (laughs) And what it brought me, I mean, there's not enough time to get into it, but it brought me a lot of depression. It brought me tons of anxiety, right? It brought me a life that I have come to the conclusion, I do not want to live this life as a king. I don't want to be the one who gets to dictate everything. When I learn to submit to this Lord, to this God, in this life that he has given me, man, my life is so much more free. And who is this king? Who is this king that you would submit to him? He is the king that not just comes in glory for his own glory. He came to give his life for you, right? And that is the thing that holds us back a lot of times, friends. As a lot of us are like, yeah, but is God trustworthy? If we're really being honest, like that's the question we have. What happens if I submit my life to God? I mean, is God even real? Will he let me down? Will he he ask something of me that I don't want to give? Remember who this king is. He is the king who died on a cross for you, for me. He gave it all for you. He loves you. He sacrificed for you. He is working on your behalf all the time, still to this day, interceding at the throne of heaven before God the Father for you. For you. He loves you. If you submit your life to him, he's not going to let you down. He's not going to do these things just to to be cruel or to take joy from you. He wants to give you more joy, right? It's going to be a lasting joy, right? Right? And friends, that's the last thing I want to say just as we go into communion. That I think maybe the thing that we need to know is the love of God. And so as we go into communion, we enact something that Jesus did for us. And particularly this week, I think it is very poignant to do it as we go into the Passion Week. Because this is when Jesus actually did it. He was about to go to the cross he was about to go to the cross for his disciples. Some of them would betray him, right? But he still did it. And so he took a, a bread. And, and friends, if you're joining us from home, uh, you know, feel free to get your bread and your juice. But he took bread and he broke it. This is the body of Christ which is given for us. And similarly, he took a cup. And it would have been wine that I imagine would would have been kind of the shade of blood. We've got grape juice. It's not exactly the same, but still similar color, right? And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is the blood of Christ that is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. And we do this, friends, not just so we think about it or just so it's like this kind of like concept in your head but it becomes lived in, right? It becomes a part of us. This story becomes a part of us. So friends, in a moment, we're gonna invite you to the table. And we hope that the bread is sweet and so is the juice and that it tastes good. (laughs) We get Hawaiian bread. I, I do think it tastes very good. But you just remember the sweetness of what Jesus did for you. Friends, can we just pray over uh, the bread and juice that it can become to us the body and blood of Christ? God, we thank you so much that you loved us in this way, that you would give your life for us. For sinners like us, your body would break and you would bleed and you would do all of that for love so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be set free, so that now we could follow you, Lord, as our king, And so God, we pray over this bread and over this juice that it can become to us symbolically the body and blood of Christ shed for us and for our forgiveness and the the body that becomes a part of us, that we become a part of your body, we become a a, a part of your life, Lord. We thank you so so much for that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And so friends, in